We're going to welcome Miss Ingrid McKinley. She is awesome. She's a gifted speaker. I've heard her speak. I've heard her pray. I've heard, I, man, listen, I'm telling you, I, I volunteered and I got to, I got to pray, uh, be a part of the prayer service with her every Sunday. And I'm telling you, she can pray and she speaks with the spirit. So I'm excited to have her here She's a gifted author, and she's a professor, and I can tell you as somebody who's doing SEU online, I really wish that my professors were this cool. I, I, and I, I can tell you as, as somebody who normally speaks that I'm a little bit scared to actually have her speak tonight because I'm scared you guys will not want me back. So... Y'all came on a great night. I love her. She's going to do awesome. She's going to bring a powerful word. It's going to be great. So can y'all just welcome Miss Ingrid McKinley to the stage. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. All right. Put this down here so I can have some space. Y'all doing okay? All right. We're doing all right. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. We glorify your holy name. We take our time in your presence because you are good and there is no one like you in all the earth. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. We praise your holy name. We thank you, Father, for the work that you've placed before us, Lord. Let's rest in his presence for just a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again and again and again we say, Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever and ever and ever. And we lift up a praise to you because you are God and you are God alone. And we honor you and we adore you, Father God, and we thank you, Holy Spirit of God. We just praise you. We glorify you. We lift up. We set the atmosphere, Lord God, for worship. We set the atmosphere for miracles. We set the atmosphere for deliverance. We set the atmosphere for love, Lord God. And we just ask you, Father, do what you do best and rest among your people. Move and speak have your way, Lord God. How we honor you and we adore you, Lord. Mm. He's up to something. Whew, Jesus, we love you. And we honor you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mm. You guys are a little quiet tonight. I know we're just getting started, but when we go in, just, just, just go in, okay? Just, just, just go in. Go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Um, my Bible is raggedy. So if the pages fall out, I mean, just pick them up for me. I am totally not kidding. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Genesis chapter 2. I didn't just come with the Bible study just to say some things. I really, I prayed and I sought the Lord and I felt like the Lord had a word for the house and that the word for the house today was to cultivate your garden. And that's what he's saying, cultivate your garden. See, the world is in need of intercessors and true worshipers. And um, God is looking for those who's going to be able to rise to any occasion. Whenever God calls you, say, yes, Lord, you, you can choose me. You can choose me. See, the temptation is to slip and to hide uh, it's real easy to do when we're in our churches, uh, even when there's an absence of the presence of God. The more noise you make, you can kind of like act like God's presence was there when he's not. Okay? It's a problem when no one recognizes it, no one knows it. And then sometimes we have that feeling, those of us, we, we yearn and we crave for the presence of God. And, you know, we, we have that feeling of hopelessness sometimes, like, well, you know, what can I, one person do, what can I do, you know, it, to call God's presence into this house or to, don't you see that God is not here or God is here, he's here. And then sometimes people don't recognize he's here, he's here. So I want to encourage you today with the word of God that I believe he's spoken for each one of us in this room today, all right? Those that may hear it later or whatever, let's just go in. 
All right, Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to begin at verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. Then he goes on and he names the, the, the four rivers, the Pishon, the Gion, Hedekel, and the Euphrates. Verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat it you shall surely die. And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comfortable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper, helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. We're going to end right there. What I want us to do is go back and begin to glean through this chapter. This is not going to be me just, just like teaching the word. We're going to talk and we're going to have a, com a, a conversation as we begin to go on through questions. So when we look at verse 7, we know that uh, God formed this man and then he breathed life into his nostrils and then the man became a living soul or a living being. But then I began to think about it. Now who planted this garden? And just look at your scriptures. Who planted the garden? That's right. Okay, the Lord God planted the garden. Who named the garden? God. That's right, God did. He, he named the garden. What did he name the garden? Eden. Eden. The garden of Eden can be the garden of delight by translation. What did Moses say to the, say the Lord placed in the garden? Let's keep reading. Verse, verse, verse 9. Trees. He put some trees in the garden. And what did Moses say the purpose of the trees were for? Right, the first thing he said, he made them pleasant to the sight, and then the second thing he said was good for food. So God was making it very plain that when I planted this garden, when I made this garden, as I'm preparing a place for the man that is to come, the first thing he did was made it pleasant. He made it beautiful, and that's why it's called the garden of God, okay? It's called the garden of God. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. He made these trees so beautiful, and he made the place so beautiful that it's unforgettable. And I know some of you guys know where I'm going with this, right? That garden, cultivate your garden, that place, that place where you live, that place where you pray, your secret place, the garden of God, the place where you commune with God, the place that you talk to God. He made it beautiful. And things that are beautiful, we stare at, we look at, and we gravitate towards it, right? He made it beautiful first, and then he made that tree good for food. I'm going to give you something to eat. Not only is it going to be aesthetically beautiful, but then I'm going to nourish you from those very trees that you see are beautiful. God did all of that first. Now, what two trees did he name as significant in the Garden of Eden? There were, right, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. He put them there. He told them what to do with it. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, he said, don't touch it. Everything else, all these other beautiful trees and the fruit that are on those trees, they're yours. Now, in order to sustain the trees, in order for things to begin to grow, what else did he place in the garden? The rivers. God is so good. 
this river ran through the garden, came out of Eden into the garden, and ran and branched off into four different riverheads. And when it begins to talk about the riverheads, that is the chief place or the choice place. It is one of the, the when it says the four riverheads, it's like the head of the household. It's like the, the head of the company. It's like the pastor of the church. You I mean, you're going to get some of that good stuff that's coming with the, the resources that it's bringing. And it branched out into four different riverheads that went out. And we see in some of those, it's very explicit, where it says there was gold in one place where that river ran. In the other one, there was onyx and then a lush place around the the land of Cush, beautiful place, just beautiful watered garden. And as you begin to see these rivers, I begin to think about what, what is God telling me about all of this? What is he saying to me? He's saying that I created a place for you. I prepared, as Jesus said, we know that, a place for you. He's saying I have a garden at the very beginning in Genesis where it was first mentioned about a garden. And then there's a pattern that will follow throughout the scriptures that as you begin to study this out, you'll begin to see when God starts something, he also finishes it. And when he finishes it, he finishes it well because he is our God and he is our king. Now, let me tell you something. Those four heads, those four rivers are the blessings that come forth from that one place and that one source, which is the garden. And as we go a little bit deeper... You're going to go a little bit deeper. So the Lord created all of this for man. Before anything else, he set all of this aside for man. How do you apply that to yourself? When I think about my secret place, when I think about my garden, I think the Lord made that. When you know God has set something aside for you and made something for you, and then he made it well, and then he said you can go here because guess what? In a few minutes, I'm going to put you there. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. Because you see, when he made this garden, he organized it. And see, an organized garden is a place of peace. Okay? An organized garden is a place of peace. When your garden is organized, it becomes a spiritual center. Okay? A spiritual center. And then you'll realize that your spiritual center is found in your garden. That your place of peace and serenity is found in your garden. We read on. Verse 15. I thought this was so powerful. Then the Lord God took the man. Then the Lord God, not only did he plant the garden, (laughs) planted the trees. Can't you just see him handpicking these things and say, I'm going to put this here. I'm going to put that here. I'm going to put this here. I'm going to put this tree here. I'm going to have fruit here. I'm going to do all these things. And then he gets the man that he's formed and breathed life into him. And he places him smack dab in the middle of all of that beautiful place. In the midst of him looking at these running waters. In the midst of him in, in the thickness of the grass to lay down to have Sweet sleep to have peace. It's a setup by the Lord. How many of you in this room feel like, I ain't gonna say feel like, you know God put you somewhere? Mm-hmm. How many of you know that God handpicked you, grabbed you? I'm not gonna do like I did that last time. You know, <laughs> had him on the floor last time when I grabbed him. You know, got you and placed you, boom, right here. Yeah. Handpicked. The man put him smack dab in the middle of the garden and then gave him a purpose. Verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? To tend it, right? And keep it, right? To tend it and to keep it. To tend it is to cultivate, right? That's why God is saying do what? Cultivate your garden. It means to work it, to labor in it. But do you know something else that it means? It means to make it better. 
That means once you are placed in the middle of your garden, when you begin to cultivate that garden year after year, you begin to make it better. And so God is telling us, I want us to make our, I want you to make your gardens better by cultivating and tending it. When you're going to keep it, you have to guard it, protect it, and you got to subdue anything that's coming in to mess up your garden or to take the order out of your garden. I'm going somewhere. Then the Lord formed the animals. Then he said, I need to make a companion for my man. So he went back to the dirt, the dust of the ground, caused Adam to go into a deep sleep. Then he took the rib, verse 22, from the man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Then Adam said, this is now, now, bone of my father. The dogs wouldn't do. The horses wouldn't do. The kitty cats wouldn't do. And all the other little cute little animals, they're making pocket-sized animals now. All of those things wouldn't do. But he made him a woman. And that went just fine for him for a little while. God said, I need to find him a companion and a helper. A companion and a helper. A companion and a helper. And I know you all know who that helper is. Mm -hmm. All right. Why did God do this? And what can we glean? Because as soon as we go into chapter 3, what do we see? The temptation and the fall of man. The serpent enters, who was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Then the woman entered into a conversation with him. When the serpent entered into the garden, it brought with it doubt, lust, fear, confusion, shame, deception, lies, dissatisfaction, and you can fill in the blanks for your life when the serpent comes into your garden. Think about it. Your garden, is it your home? Did the serpent come in to your home? Are your children acting like a serpent? I don't know. You know, think about it. In your prayer life, what's hindering you from entering into the presence of the Lord? What serpent has come into your garden? And what does that indicate about your garden when the serpent comes in? Because let me tell you something. God knew the serpent was coming, which is why he told him to tend it and to keep it, to guard and protect it and subdue it because you have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every creeping thing that creeps around. You have dominion. And God is saying that to us tonight, that we have dominion over these distractions. We have dominion over these evil, the evil powers and different things that are coming against us. We have dominion and we have the power of God in order to subdue the enemy. So what God was saying, as Jesse Duplantis once said, when he told him to take dominion and subdue it in the garden, what he was saying was, snake coming, a snake's coming. When he gives you an instruction and tell you this is how you tend it, this is what you do, he's saying, I'm preparing you because something bigger than you is coming and you've got to be able to subdue it and take dominion. And how do you get there? By daily going in your garden, going into your secret place with expectation doing what? Well, I know he's coming. All I have to do is go in my garden. Guess what? He's coming. If I go into my secret place, what's going to happen? He's coming. He's coming. Jesus is coming. God is coming with us to walk with us. So what do we learn? Because man did not tend or guard his garden. Man was removed from that secret place. He was removed from the garden to labor outside of the Garden of Eden. He still had to labor, but he had to labor outside. He didn't get to keep it, though. He didn't get to guard the garden. God set up cherubim to guard the way to the garden. It seems pretty bad, doesn't it, when man fell? Then came blame and shifting and hee-hawing before the Lord. I didn't do it. She did it. She didn't do it. I did it. Everybody's going through all this confusion. And God is saying, look at me, man. Look at me. I have a solution. And he's coming. You won't see him, but he's coming. But when you see him, you will know him.
and that is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And even in the midst of that, if you go with me to Isaiah chapter 51, there is a promise because at this point in our lives, we begin to think about this. It's a picture, don't worry about it. Isaiah 51, at this point in our lives, I know that some of us in this room feel this way. And I meant to say it, feel this way. Like God, God, my garden, my time with you, my secret place, it's messed up right now. Some of us feel like, you know, God, I've done everything I know to do and nothing is changing. I'm powerless. I need the power of God in my life, but I don't know what else to do. God, I need you. I want you. But I'm, you know, I'm falling and I can't get up. All of these things are going on. God always has a solution to every one of our problems. When God prepared that garden whew, thousands of years ago, when he prepared that garden, God always had a solution for every man, woman, boy, and girl on this earth. In Isaiah chapter 51, verse 1 and 3, I went to 53. Listen to me. You who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Garden, the garden I messed up. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. He's talking about faith. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Verse 3, for the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden. It ain't over. It's never over. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice, the voice of melody. You remember what happened when they came in the garden and they had sinned? And they were naked and they were ashamed. And God says, hey, where are you, Adam? Where are you? And they did what? They hid themselves. The voice spoke and they ran from the voice because of what they had done and how they had fallen short and how they had messed up. But he said, there's going to be a voice of melody because God has prepared a place for us. God is so good. Go with me to Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. God fixed it through our Lord and Savior. Our garden may have been messed up then. It may have gone through some changes at that time, but God will fix it because that's exactly what he does. He is a God of more than enough. He is a God with all the answers. He has a wealth of information for us, and he is setting us up right now. God fixed it. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Didn't what he say about that wilderness? He was going to turn that wilderness into what in Isaiah 51? He's going to turn into a what? He's going to turn into a garden. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness and being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Then the devil began to challenge him. And I'm not even going to read all of it, but I want you to read it in your time and realize that same thing that was going on in the garden with the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Jesus took care of it right here. This is where you begin to see some of your redemption coming. Okay, devil, you want to come in? Yes, you could beat the man down. Yes, you could take from the man yes you can cause the man to fall because what he sees and and how who he wants to be but there is one that I've called from the foundation of the world who was there with the Lord from the beginning that no matter what you say to him no matter what you say to him he's got an answer and his answer is from the word of God because he is the word of God he is the one who was and is and is to come he is the one that God gave flesh to come to this earth and to take our place and show us who he is and what kind of victory that we can have in him that is a power for God something about that wilderness is a hard time to live in a place in the wilderness but when I begin to look at Jesus and say what did he do in his wilderness that's exactly what I'm going to do in my wilderness greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world and if Jesus can do it guess what I can do it too amen God is faithful he overcame the enemy with the word of God the lust of the eyes the pride of life and the lust of the flesh not only did he do that then look at Luke chapter 22 verse 39 just turn a few more pages over Luke 22 39 to 46 
And I'm going to take my time with this one, okay? Something about that wilderness he'd redeemed, he took care of it. 39, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives. See this, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. As he was accustomed, he went to the Mount of Olives where his prayer time was. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed in this garden, saying, Father, thinking about that Garden of Eden, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He did what Eve couldn't do. He did what Adam couldn't do. Then an angel appeared to him. The serpent appeared to him in the Garden of Eden. An angel to them. Here an angel appears to him from heaven and strengthened him. What do you find in this garden? Strength. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He strengthened him. And being in agony still, he prayed more earnestly. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. He prayed earnestly. I'm not giving up. And then his sweat became great drops of blood, like great drops of blood falling down to the ground into the very earth from which men had been formed from and life had been spoken into. And the blood falling down to the ground when he rose up, when he rose up, from prayer. What do you do when you get up from prayer when you're in a battle? Do you just roll over off your knees like, Lord, Jesus, sometimes. But when you're in a battle for your life and you're earnestly praying and you're crying out to God and you're crying so that everything that is within you is being spilled out and when you get to the end of that, do you roll over and say, Jesus, no, you rise up. You rise up, and that, implica- that shows us that there is strength when you get into the right garden with strength that God will raise you up as you are prepared to go to the next level of the battle. We think it's bad when we're in our prayer closet about what's going on. We think, now, Lord, this is overwhelming me. This is too much. I don't know what to do. But at the same time, when you rise up, God says, now that you're up and you're equipped and you're filled and you're strengthened, it's time for you now to go to the next place because there's something and someone waiting for you that's worse than what you even think is going to happen. But you are ready. When he rose up from prayer, And had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And then he said to them, why do you sleep? What is God asking us when he's calling us at 3 a.m.? And he said, just come to me and talk to me. Does he come and knock on your bedroom door and say, why are you sleeping? You heard me when I said, meet me in our secret place. You heard me when I said, I've had some oil for you. It's at midnight, but I need you to come in here and get this oil that I have for you because you're going to need it in your lamp. He rose up from prayer. He asked him, why are you sleeping? Rise. Not only did Jesus rise up, but he's telling us today, rise, rise. He's calling us to do what? To rise. He's calling us to rise. And he's not talking about your physical self, but yet he is. He's talking about on the inside of you, tap into your garden and rise up and meet the occasion that the enemy has placed before you because you can do it. You can overcome him because he said, I've already overcome this world. He said that you are my children. You are created in my image. You are mine and I am yours. And with a partnership like that, what can you not do? Why are you running tail from the enemy? And when I'm talking, I'm not just talking just to you. I'm talking about Christians in general. We run tail from it. We won't stand on the promises of God. We won't stand and say, no, that's wrong. God said it was wrong. We'll go hide in the corner. God keeps saying, rise up. You know why people are dying and going to hell? Because we're not telling them. We're not telling them. If you have a choice to make, Don't let it be a choice because you didn't hear what I had to say when I was standing right beside you when God gave me the word for you. Let that not be me. Let me not stand before my Lord and Savior when he gave me a word for somebody's soul, their eternal life, and I don't say it. Let it not be. You know why? It don't have to be that because we can rise up. 
because we can rise up. But until you rise up by getting down on your knees in your garden, we're going to be stuck in that same place. You see, what we learn from this is that we cannot fight against our enemies, God's enemies, when we do not cultivate and guard our gardens. Jesus has shown us the way. Cultivating our garden will give us the ability to deal with anything which comes our way. Anguish, distress. These are things Jesus said. Church hurt, fear, betrayal. It's the worst thing when your best friend, as David said, who I was going into the temple with, I was going into the sanctuary with him, and he betrayed me. It would have been different if it was an enemy of mine. But that kind of hurt goes to the core of who you are. But in the garden, there's an answer. There's healing. Loneliness. When they came for him and Judas betrayed him, all of his disciples left and he was alone. And yet he said, I, yet I am not alone, for my Father in heaven is with me. There's a cure. There's healing. Death. Pain. Also in your garden, you will learn to be bold. Who are you looking for? They came to Jesus. Jesus said, who are you looking for? He knew who they were looking for. Now, you're going to stand in the face of your enemy when they're walking up with their entourage, and they come to you in your face and say, well, who, who, well, who are you looking for? That's boldness. Oh, you're looking for, oh, I am he. Boom, bit the dust. Fell back under the power of God because he knew who he was because he made it plain in the garden. You'll have vision because you know they came and told him, you're going to the cross and you're going to die. But when you have vision, you see beyond the pain. You see what's beyond what's going on in your personal life. You begin to see beyond the circumstances that are around you, and you begin to see souls. You begin to see, hey, there's going to be a day. There's going to be a catching away. I know you're going to flog me. I know you're going to kill me. I know you're going to crucify me. I know you're going to hurt me. I know you're going to hurt my friends, and I know you're going to hurt my mother. This is Jesus. I know you're going to hurt her. It's going to hurt her to see me pierced on that cross. I know it. But I have a vision. I have a vision. I have a vision. I have a vision. And it is to do the will of my Father. Purpose. Kept him on that cross. He had reverence for his Father. What I see him doing, that's exactly what I do. He put God's will over his own will. He received instruction on what to do. He received strength. And then he received the ability to rise up. So what's our takeaway? Do whatever you have to do to organize your garden to receive inner peace. You're not going to be as effective as you need to be with all the chaos and confusion inside of you. Go to your garden. Go to your God and lay it all down in that garden so that you can rise up with inner peace and strength prepared to do what God has called you to do. Number two, know that your spiritual center is found in your garden. When you feel like you're walking a little sideways, but you know you hadn't had anything to drink. Come on, let your head down a little bit, y'all. Come on. <laughs> you ain't had nothing to drink, but you're walking a little sideways because you're out of balance. Your spiritual center is found in your garden and in the time with your God. Number three, tend it, guard it, and let God make it beautiful with his presence. You know why it's important to know that it's beautiful? Because everything outside this garden ain't cute. Everything that we go through, hard, ugly, flavor, flavor, ugly. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? No? Look him up, Google it, you'll understand. Ugly. We go through some ugly stuff, but God says in this garden, it's Beautiful. Right? So you can do everything that you need to do because there's beauty in your secret place. There's beauty in your garden. Number four, know that you will need determination and discipline to maintain it. When you go by someone's house and you see this beautiful home, do you think it just got like that by osmosis? Oh, the Big Bang Theory over my house. It just happened that way. 
No, either they paid somebody or they worked their tails off to go in to make sure that it looks as beautiful as they planned it, as they envisioned it, the way God said it could be. And the worst thing to see is a beautiful home in the middle of being built. And there's one, I think it's on Centerville Road or somewhere, beautiful home, beautiful they went and dug and, 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 and made these uh, beautiful lakes. It's like two or three lakes, right, on that property. You know what I'm talking about in, in Carrollton, right? Beautiful lakes on that property. Dug it up, beautiful. It was, it was built in a pasture. The home was huge. Center Point Road, yes, beautiful home. And they began it. You see the walls go up. It's bricked on the outside. The roof is up. Beautiful. All of a sudden, the work stopped. All of a sudden, the grass began to grow up. Everywhere, everything is overgrown. It's awful because what you see is the potential of it. What you see is a visual of how beautiful that property would have been. And then now it's just been sitting there, I think, for three or four years, an unfinished house. The other day, I was going down the road, and I just had to stop, and I looked. Here's the, the, the side of the house. And it's open. There are no doors in the house. So you know the rains and everything has come right through and just destroyed what was on the inside. There was a horse sitting right there on the porch. And I said, what in the world? But it gave me that idea. This, I was waiting with expectation to see what this finished result of this house was going to be. You could see the plan coming together. Then all of a sudden it halted. I don't know if they ran out of money. I don't know if someone passed away. I don't know what happened. But all I know is it, when someone gets a hold of that house and they begin to tend to that house and begin to tend to that yard, it's going to be one of the most beautiful places that you will lay your eyes on. And that's our condition today. And that's what we need to make sure we tell our friends. If your garden is not cultivated, meaning if you're talking all crazy and you're saying things that don't line up with God's word and you're all up in the flesh all up in your emotions about everything that's happening jumping to conclusion leaning sideways when somebody's talking to you because you don't want to hear what they have to say and you're just all out of control get your garden in order get some order in your garden so that you can be effective for the kingdom of God Gordon McDonald says this way He who orders his inner spiritual world will make a place for God to visit and speak. And when he speaks and that voice is heard, it will be unlike anything else ever spoken. Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Jesus? Where are you, Marlita? Not my will, but your will be done. So God is asking us today, cultivate your garden. It's important. Because on the outside of that garden, when you have to go out like those rivers to bless others, you need to have some water. You don't want to be a dried up river that's no good for anyone. Revelation talks about that river. The scriptures talk about the river that makes glad the city of God. He's talking about God being the fountain of life, the fountain of living waters. Guess what? That fountain is in each one of us, has a potential to be in each one of us. It will continue to go and continue to drink. And out of your belly shall flow what? Rivers of living waters. Not just for you, but for those that are around you. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you need to do in your life. I know what I had to do. I had to get some order in my garden. I had to get some things changed in my life. I had to get some faith that God could call me to. I had to get up, excuse me, up off of my behind and say, you know what? If you want it, do what? Go get it. If you want it, go get it. It's not just coming to you. Go get it. What I'm asking you to do right now is to let God speak in your garden privately So that when we come in here corporately, you're not speaking on your own. You're speaking what you've heard him say in your secret place. And that, he says, shout out from the rooftops. Salvation is here. Salvation is here. Salvation is here. Go tell my people, I'm coming back soon. That is your call. 
that is the cultivation and the importance of cultivating your garden. Let's pray. Come on now, y'all know how to pray. I need y'all to go ahead and just start praying. Just start praying. You said we're, we're in a um, spirit-filled church, and um, when we say that out loud, that means he can do whatever he wants to do. Thank you, Jesus. See yourself. One on one, surrounded by the trees in your garden, surrounded by still waters. Look beyond those waters and see there's gold, there's lush lands, there are powerful kingdoms beyond that because that watered garden is flowing out into the world. See yourself in your garden. And see your potential out of that garden. Because you're not in the garden by yourself. You are in the garden with your God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you are not alone and you will never be alone. For God is with you to keep you. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. It's okay to take our time in the presence of the Lord. Let him download. Let him speak to your heart. Let him drop whatever he wants to drop in your spirit, be it healing, be it a word, be it prophecy, encouragement. No matter what it is, let God speak into your garden. And as he speaks, he's going to open your eyes and your ears, your hands and your feet. He's going to give you a strong core and strengthen you to rise up for the task that is before you. Jesus, mm, thank you. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, with expectation, just lift your hands. Lift your hands. Mm, lift your hands to the Lord. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. I just see the Lord saying, Moses' garden was found. Beside that bush that was flaming. And the angel began to speak and told him, take off your shoes, for this is holy ground. I keep hearing the Lord saying, where's your garden? Where's your garden? Where is your garden? When you know where your garden is, then you'll know where I am, says the Lord. For the pastor here, God has given a vision. Josh, God has given you a vision. God sees what others do not see, nor are they supposed to see. God says, I've never told you what you wanted to hear. Not once since I've called you have I told you what you want to hear. Mm. He wants me to encourage you. He said he told you that because he trusts you to do his will. 
He's trusted you not to do what you wanted to do or see what you wanted to see, but he's trusted you to do his will. So be encouraged because you are blessed and you are highly favored of the Lord. Mm. And the anointing of God rests upon you. And it's a different anointing. It's not like everybody else. So don't compare yourself, but speak the vision and speak it with boldness. Whether there's five or 500, whether they're a, 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 a pastor with, with, with a church filled with people or a church of five, he says, speak the vision with the same conviction that I've shown you from the first, says the Lord. Speak it and you declare it. Mm. Because as you stand, Josh... Your people are carriers of the vision. And as you begin to speak more and more into your people, the carriers of the vision will bring it to birth. And there is strength needed to bring it into birth, to bring it into the earth. (laughs) But just like he said, Adam, a helper. God also has sent you a helper. Because you're faithful and you've shown yourself strong. Mm. Mm. Hallelujah. Guard your garden. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Mm. Now, this is the shift. I want you to begin to declare. If you speak in the spirit, speak in the spirit. But we're going to declare this place filled. We're going to declare mm, an overflow mm, in the name of Jesus. Whoo! Am I not a God that cannot bring to birth, says the Lord? Do I abandon my children, says God? Press into the presence of the Lord. If you got to walk, you walk. If you got to get on your knees, you get on your knees. Whatever you got to do to travail and lay before God until his name, his name, his name, his name, and his name and everything behind his name is in this house. Oh, God, we love you. And we honor you. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Mm. Even in the spirit realm, I seen a split. I seen a split that something, I don't know what you're praying for, but a split. I saw a split in the atmosphere that it is just coming down. It's coming down. It's coming down. I don't know who's been praying and who felt like, you know what, God, I just got my answer, but I saw the Lord and I saw it. It's coming down. It's coming down. It's coming down. Hallelujah. I declare the blessing of Joshua in this place. Wherever, wherever, wherever your feet touch is blessed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, there's deliverance in this house. It's untapped. It's untapped at this moment, but there's deliverance in this house. There's so much doubt. There's so much doubt in the kingdom of God, in the church world, about God healing, about God healing and setting people free. There's so much, so much doubt. I don't know if God's really going to do that anymore. I don't know, but not in this house. And believe me, I'm not a flatterer. I, I'm not saying stuff because I want you to feel good about yourself. Because there's work to be done on the other side of that. You understand what I'm saying? There's knee service on the other side of that. Mm, healing in this house. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Keep praying. Now let your voices be heard. Keep praying. Come on. Let your voices be heard. Let them be heard. Let them be heard. Oh, Jesus. Overshadow us, Lord God, with your presence. Overshadow us with your presence. Fill this place with your spirit. We pray, Father, for a tangible anointing in this house. In the name of Jesus. We pray, Father, for your spirit and your glory to remain in this place. So whoever comes, whosoever will, when they come in this house, the glory of the Lord, hallelujah, and the presence of God will meet them there in the name of Jesus. Meet them here. Mm. And the things, Lord God, that Pastor Josh has been afraid to ask for because he thought they were too frivolous. Lord, we ask right now in the name of Jesus that not only will you meet all of their needs, but he will use his imagination, Father God, and you will pour out all, Father God, upon him. We ask you that you open the windows of heaven, O God. We ask, Father God, that you will declare the blessing in this house in the name of Jesus. And not just this house, but his personal home, oh God. Bless, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Strengthen for this journey, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just sense tonight is your night of encouragement. There's not many like you, Pastor Josh. There's not many like you. 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 Because when God cut you from his cloth, he set you aside. And his heart, and his heart, but that's why his anointing rests upon you. You are doing exactly what he said to do. And you needed to know that God has confirmed his word today, that he spoke to you. When you were wrestling and when you couldn't get past it and you didn't want to do it. But you said, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, God. God saw it. He saw it. He saw it. And he sees it. Keep going. Be strengthened by the power of God. And let the Spirit of God fall afresh on you and renew you. Because you are a man after God's own heart. And don't you ever forget it. The only thing. Is I bind that spirit of comparison right now in that name of Jesus. You will not compare anything else that God has placed in your hand with anything else that you see. What God has for you is for you. Doors are opening. You wait and you see. Get to the work and the task that God has said with what you have in your hand. Watch and see what God is going to do. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it's 8 o'clock right now, and I know we should be ending, but I do want to tell you, mm, Jesus, I keep feeling his presence again and again and again, and we just got the okay. And I feel like God is saying, I'm sensing that God is saying that if you need prayer tonight, that you just come up and get it.
if you need prayer tonight, there is no shame because we're in the garden where God is and he's going to meet you right here. It's not about me and it's not about anybody else in this room, but it is about our God and our King. There's somebody in here that needs peace. You need peace. I see a divided spirit. You need peace and unity and wholeness in your spirit. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> For many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. 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 He will not be on the altar by himself. Come on, men of God. We got one man on the altar. He will not be on the altar by himself. Mm. Mm. He will not be on this altar by himself. Mm. He will not be on this altar by himself. You are people of God. God has released you. Pray. Pray. Don't hold back. Let everything that's inside of you come out today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we do know what we can do today by the Spirit of God moving inside. Oh, Jesus. So this is your garden. As he become the sit on the altar, and he came and kneeled on the altar, knelt on the altar. When you go into your garden, this is exactly what God begins to do in each one of us. He begins to send intercessors around us to surround us. He begins to call people all over the world and begin to just call out their names and begin to pray and seek the Lord's face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, he that began that good work will complete it unto that day, says the Lord. Trust him with it.
Just continue to press in right now. God's presence is here. Just continue to press in.